This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast. The first time that we have had a guest in exactly a calendar year. Yes, you heard that right. Recording this on Wednesday, April 12th. Nick Max and Noah Grant, of course, joined by St. Cloud State's head coach, Brett Larson. Brett, uh, pleasure to have you here on this Wednesday morning. Guys, thanks for having me. I always, uh, always love coming on. So I uh, might as well jump right into it here. Um, knowing you and knowing your uh, background, did you take two days off after the season was done, or did you finally get to three this year? Did we finally get to the? Well, this dang transfer portal thing has changed everything for coaches. You know, you used to be able to take a deep breath at the end of the season, but now you have to immediately have uh, individual meetings with every one of your players. You used to kind of let that thing settle for a week or two before you did that. Um, but you want to make sure uh, you know where every guy's at. You, you know which guys are planning on signing and leaving, which guys are on the bubble of signing and leaving, if there's anybody that wants to transfer or if there's anybody that we just have a good discussion that maybe the right thing to do is transfer. So you start there, and then you also jump in a car and you're out meeting with kids on other teams that are in the portal that you're trying to recruit. So it was a crazy couple weeks. Uh, fortunately for me, uh, I've got a really good group of high school buddies. We do a trip to Florida every year. Um, we planned it over the frozen four thinking that, you know what, one way or the other, we'd, we'd hang out. What Maybe they'd be there cheering on the Huskies, uh, or we'd just be down there doing our normal thing. So I did get a few days in Tampa this year, uh, kind of, uh, a couple weeks after the season ended. Tampa, always a good spot to uh, head down there, uh, just to get away and, you know, catch some of that salty air. Um, good. yeah, the, the, the transfer portal is kind of unique, especially now with the additional COVID year, Brett. Uh, do you feel that that might change after this upcoming season when that extra COVID year um, will be not available for the new incoming players? Do you still think because of the rules that you'll still see this kind of mad scramble um, at the end of each season? I just think it'll lessen a little bit. You know, right now you had the two factors at the same time. You had the new rule and you had the extra COVID year. So it was just a perfect storm. I think you'll still see uh, the transfer portal has become a really big part of college hockey. And it's, you know, it's free agency like the NHL. You know, uh, you, you've got to uh, be really good in the portal. You've got to be able to uh, fill some holes. Uh, we've, we've filled a couple now. I can't comment on, on them yet until they sign their paperwork. And we're, we're excited about that. Um, but, um, you know, it is, it's, it's something that you have to be good at. You have to be prepared for. I look back on our, our history here the last few years and, you know, there's some names, even people don't remember, but 
might not remember, we sure do, but Jared Cockrell, you know, we took Jared and he, he filled a great role for us and brought in a lot of leadership. Uh, Seamus Donahue, going back to those guys, and, and look what Aiden Spellacy and and, uh, and Bassey and Ann Horn and Crookshank have done for this program. Those have been really big pieces to the puzzle for us. hope I'm not yeah. missing anybody there. I might be. <laughs> you know, the other piece of this, too, is, uh, of course, like you mentioned, losing a couple of bodies, uh, 10 for sure, could be up to 12 at that point. Um, uh, from what we hear, first of all, it sounds like it's not going to be up to 12. You get some good news today um, yeah. that ho- hopefully you can let us know about. But uh, um, what well, making- you Al Appleby's going to be late to this scoop. <laughs> That's all, you know. <laughs> well, it sounds, sounds like, uh, you know, the wing position is getting filled out pretty quickly. One, who is the returning player? And number two, what is the biggest challenge losing three of your four regular centers down the middle of the lineup? Sure. Um, Number one, I can tell you this, uh, before I break it, one thing that we've known for a while is Kyler Kupka's coming back as a fifth year, and we've been really excited about that. I, I think night in and night out, he's one of our best players. He's a top six. His points go up every year. Uh, he's going to be a huge piece of the puzzle uh, next year for us, for sure. The news we got yesterday was that uh, Zach Wakabi's coming back. So, um, you know, Zach was one of those guys that had to feel out some pro offers, um, uh, and he felt like, he still has something to prove here. He felt like he can keep getting better here uh, and decided not to turn pro right now and come back and, and be a part of the Huskies. So uh, that new news on Zach uh, is really important for us because, you know, you're looking at some of those top six roles and, and boy, now we've got them. We, we, we really like where we're, we're at up front. Um, you know, there's a chance we move Adam Ingram back to his natural position, which is center. Now he's another year of getting stronger this summer. Uh, I think he's definitely got the ability and the talent to be a top six center in this league. Mason Salkwis keeps getting better every year. We've got freshmen coming in like Werner Mietnin, who's uh, one of a really, really good two-way center. You got uh, Tyson Gross, you got Ryman, you got some really good guys. We're going to be young there. Uh, you know what? The good thing is we're not young. We're going to be a little inexperienced, but most of those guys are 19, 20 years old coming out of uh, some really good junior hockey experience and, uh, um, we got some other guys that play center and wing in our recruiting list. But um, with this addition, uh, you know, it really solidifies the wing spot, which makes me feel good about potentially moving Adam back to that center position. So with that, uh, Brett, because I know that there's been a lot of speculation on some of the recruits who were are expected to come in. You mentioned a couple. Um, are you able to comment any further as far as uh, folks who have actually signed? Or uh, I guess what's the list look like so far as, as incoming you know, freshmen is concerned? Yeah, we, you know, most of those guys are, are coming in for sure. Um, you know, what we really like to do, and this is where the transfer portal also uh, helps things a lot. You never have to bring a guy in usually before he's ready. And so we've got some really good players that are going to probably continue to play in the USHL um, or, or, or the Manitoba League um, that we can we can make sure that they're 100% ready and they, they have the opportunity to come in and make an impact. So we did pick up a couple transfers. Uh, we think they fit some really nice pieces for us. I uh, wish I could comment on, on them now, but with the rules, I can't. Um, uh, which will be really nice where we don't have to force anybody in. Um, and you know what? We've got a lot of guys that we can't wait to give an opportunity that are already here. I, I think I think guys like, you know, Ethan Acoin, who played sparingly for us because we were so deep up front, has got an opportunity to really jump up the, the lineup and make an impact. You saw how well Ashan played down the stretch. You've got Roseboro in there who plays a really nice role for us. 
Um, you've got some guys in there that didn't play a ton last year that I'm really excited to, to see them with more of an opportunity uh, next year to see what they can do as well. Yeah, and you look at guys, obviously, that have departed here. Just kind of a quick word, um, you know, Jackson Caster, Bushy Meyer, Crookshank, Micah Miller, Hayden Spellacy, all of those guys moving on. I, you know, the thing that I think hurts with Jackson Caster is you finally saw him get over all of those challenges that he went through. And unfortunately, just the eligibility piece with the year that he played club hockey um, is really unfortunate. Uh, of course, a couple of those guys have already scored at the next level. Um, how exciting is it for you to see those guys kind of assimilate seamlessly into the next level and be productive right away yeah it's been fun that's that's one of the kind of proudest moments as a coach sometimes is, is seeing those guys make that step and you know a guy that i was i was you know and i can tell the story on here you know mike miller had a uh, a really good american league deal to leave last year and he believed in himself and uh he believed in this program and his teammates and he decided to turn it down and come back this is the type of kid he is and uh uh, he really wanted to prove something here. And again, uh, he did. You know, I thought he was one of the best two-way forwards in the league. I know uh, his point production wasn't quite the same, but boy, when the game was on the line, there's nobody else you'd rather have on the ice. So, um, you know, he did it the right way and it worked out for him. He got a great deal in Tucson. They believe in him. Uh, I believe Mike has got the opportunity. I, I, I believe he, you could see that kid in the NHL. I, I really do. Um, in the right role with the coach that appreciates him, I, I think he's got an opportunity and, uh, uh, I couldn't be more excited for him, for Crookshank. Uh, you know, those guys, you see them stepping in right away, doing well. Jackson uh, went in and did well down in, in Florida. Unfortunately, it, it's pro hockey. All of a sudden, they sent another goalie down from the American League, and his opportunities short-lived, but um, but he did a really good job. So it's it's fun to see those guys. Uh, Yami goes in and gets a big goal, and, and uh, Wilkes-Barre the other night looked like he – Maybe I was playing him on the wrong side of the power play. He went downhill on his forehand on that one and just ripped it. But, um, but uh, really, really fun to see those guys do so well coming right out of school. Brett, I think this is a perfect opportunity to talk about, you know, I guess how some of the behind the scenes of these things kind of work, because when you see other, you know, other programs or you're watching college hockey and fans watch their favorite players, whether it's they decide to transfer it or sign to turn pro, I think there's a misconception that these things are sort of, unbeknownst and you know from what i understand these are open conversations whether it's with a player himself uh if there's an agent involved these are not things that just come out of nowhere is that right well you know what's interesting i learned a pretty good lesson a few years ago um and i and i asked one of the players that just came into our office and this was before i was here it's probably going back close to 10 years and told us it was signing and, and later I, you know i was an assistant coach at the time so maybe sometimes they'll tell you more things and uh, you, you get a little bit more almost to that friendship level. But I asked him, I said, why don't you talk about this with us? And he said, you know, I thought if I talked to you about it, that you guys would think I got one foot in, one foot out. I never wanted anybody to feel that way. I didn't want anybody to think that, you know, I was focusing on the future. I wanted them to think that I was focused on right now in this team. So that, that really opened my eyes a little bit. And so I do have early conversations with the guys, let them know it's natural to start thinking about it, especially in your senior year. Or if you're a high draft pick earlier, um, you're never one foot in, one foot out by being human and talking about it with us. Uh, so I, I really try to make sure that they understand that they can talk to us because, boy, they got a lot of people in their ears sometimes. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. And as a coach, when you can help them through it based on your experience that you've gone through with a lot of players, I, th I think you can help them. So you really try to set that that early that and let them know that they can come talk to you about it and it's not – 
one foot in and one foot out. It's only natural to be starting to think about it. I think that human aspect obviously, you know, extends to all reaches of the staff, including yourself. And I know when we reflect back to last season, you guys obviously have a really hot start through the first half of the season through Christmas, maybe even January and then February and March left a little bit to be desired before the train kind of finally left the station in the direction you guys wanted. Um, you know, and uh, a lot of people had the discussion where it was, uh, and again, a discussion that didn't make any sense from our point of view, where mm-hmm. they're kind of calling for your head in a lot of senses here. Do you hear any of that background noise? And how do you kind of process that? Because obviously there's the hockey side of it where you you know what your task is day in and day out. You know what the focus of the team is. But how do you kind of compartmentalize that with the fact that, like, you are human and you do have a phone and you do have Twitter and occasionally – you have that background noise. Usually it doesn't bother me at all. Usually as a coach, you worry about how it affects your players when they see some of that and whatnot. And uh, this year was different. It was, it was, uh, it was odd. We, uh, you know, we were surprised as a group um, how quickly, um, you know, people got on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and boy, we, it, it's funny. We went through a six game stretch where uh, we got points in every one of those games. Yeah. It wasn't like things had fallen off the cliff. And uh, we had lost one of our top players. We had Spencer Meyer out sick. We had been going through a ton of stuff at that time. Um, so I guess we were we were a little caught off guard and a little surprised. But then as you kind of take a step back and you look at it, what we had done is, you know, people forgot that we weren't even ranked in the top 20 at the beginning of the year because, and, and this is natural, I think, as a fan, we had got to number one in the country. We raised the expectations, which is a really good thing. And the expectations were that we were going to win every night. And uh, uh, when that didn't happen, I, I kind of understood the frustration a little bit. So um, that's all part of it. You go through it as a coach. I, I, I'm sure the fans heard me say I've never been part of a great season without going through a tough patch. You got to find a way through it. It brings your team closer together. We had to find a way to play without Dylan Anhorn. We had to play, find a way to play with Spencer Meyer, not at 100 percent most of the year. Um, we had to find a way to play without Chase Brand and Kyler Kupka at times, different things. So, um, you know, uh, this year. I thought that the reason it got ratcheted up a little bit was because of how high we set the expectations, which, you know what, I'll take that. I'd rather have the expectations high than people expecting us just to be average. So uh, it's all part of the job. You got to take the good with the bad and uh, you got to keep moving forward. But I I can tell you, I was um, I was really proud of our team, of how they fought through that time period. And I think we saw the culmination of that, Brett, you know, when we get to the NCHC Frozen Faceoff and then uh, getting yourself an NCHC Frozen Faceoff Championship. What was it like to be raising that trophy uh, in St. Paul, knowing the adversity that you went through and were able to, you know, for lack of a better phrase, right the ship and get you back to play in the right way in terms of the pieces that you lost? Yeah, that well, it meant a lot. And sometimes you... Uh, when the fans get on you, there's a little motivation to prove them wrong too, you know, and, and prove a lot of people wrong. It wasn't just the fans. Our fan, fans are great. It was, it was the media. It was, you know, the bloggers, all those things and whatnot. And uh, um, sometimes it, one of the best feelings in sports is to prove people wrong. And uh, I, I think that was a big motivator for our team when they felt people get honest like that. We wanted to prove people wrong. We believed in this team from day one. Uh, that never changed through February. Um, uh, and uh, and I think they wanted to prove people wrong. So holding that trophy up to us was kind of that symbol of, you know what, it was right to believe in what we had. It was right to believe in this group. It was right to try to block out some of the negativity and the noise out there um, the whole time because we 
we never lost our belief in that locker room. It was one of the, honestly, one of the closest, best groups of guys that I've had the, the, uh, the fortune of good fortune of coaching. And, um, and when you go through something like that, where everybody's on you to hold that trophy at the, uh, at the X, uh, it's a good feeling. Contrary to popular belief, I was cheering for the Huskies, not the Tigers, uh, regard, regardless of where we're going. And I'm very poorly worded, I think, to say the least. Um, I, and I know we talk about longevity of the NCHC, and that's a discussion for another time. But kind of on that train uh, that Nick was talking about, I was there, of course, on Saturday, um, regional final against the Gophers in a game where you guys – um, not the greatest start, but really a, a really good finish to the season. And I thought you guys had a really good look at tying that hockey game oh, up. Can you, you know, can you walk us through that game? Yeah, I, I was. I will tell you this. I, I felt like we um, expended so much energy in one of the hardest series I've ever been a part of in this league. Our three-game series against Duluth was an absolute war. It, I mean, I'm telling you, it was a war. For whatever reason, penalties weren't being called. Uh, and, and the play got to a point where, I mean, it was like old time hockey, you know, it almost felt like slap shot out there at times, but we told the team, Hey, you got to stop taking it. You're going to have to start giving a little bit. If they're, if they're not going to call it, we got to play that way. And it was a tough series. It, it, we expended a lot of energy. Then you go down and you're playing North Dakota in a really tough game, CC in a tough game, an absolute war and battle against Mankato. I just thought we came out a little bit slow. Um, and to give Minnesota credit, they're a great team. <laughs> they came out fast, and it was like, oh, boy, this could be a long night. Uh, we do that. We, analytically, we do the chances every game, the scoring chances, and that's a big part of how we analyze games and how we've done. We have never got out chanced 11-3 to in a period all year. Minnesota out chanced us 11-3 to in the first period. Thank God Jackson Castro made some big saves in that period. Uh, Minnesota's a heck of a team, and, and, and they created a ton of chances, and we just didn't have it. But again, going back to this team and their resilience and fighting through tough things, um, the chances ended up 18 to 18 at the end of the game. Um, we had plenty of chances to get back in that game. It's 2-1 late in the third. You know what? We just couldn't get that tire. You know, we had a couple really good looks at it, couldn't tie that game. I think if we do, we got a chance. Unfortunately, they get one off a face-off that, you know, finds its way through two guys that are going out to block a puck. It, I mean, it went through a hole about an inch and a half wide and, and went in the net. So um, hats off to them. Minnesota fought through it too and found a way to win that game. Um, but uh, I was really proud again of how our team, we finished the year at two of the best periods we've played all year. Uh, and the second, third gave our, 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 our team an opportunity to, to tie that game. Uh, it didn't go our way that night, but uh, I was really proud of that team fighting so hard right till the end. Brett, you mentioned 2-1 in that hockey game. Uh, it sent, you guys were no question the better team in the third and had a puck laid flat for Kyler Kuka. Maybe this is a tie hockey game. But after that, puck does go in from the point 3-1. Um, sometimes, you know, in games like these, emotions from the players can start to creep. And I know we talked, and you have talked about trying to manage emotions. Did you notice a change of emotion on the bench when that goal goes in down 3-1? No, to be honest, I didn't notice it until the empty netter went in. You know, it, well, Throw, flip one off the glass. It's one that one out of a hundred maybe goes in your net. Uh, up to that point, I think our team believed we were tying that game, uh, and that's what made this group special too. And and again, you know, it's interesting. The part of coaching is you have to go through tough times of the year to build that group and that belief, right? So getting through February and then turning it around, that grew a belief in this team that no matter what's being thrown at us, we're going to find a way to get through it. We're going to find a way to come together and get it done. Um, 
and I, I sense that the guys had that attitude uh, right till the end of that game. And again, I really thought Minnesota played really well. I, I mean, they're, they're a really good hockey team, as you saw uh, right down the stretch. Um, so I'm certainly not saying it was just us, but I thought our guys at least kept fighting right till the end of that game. Yeah, it was an interesting contest. I, I remember after the first period, like you said, I was like, you know, it, quite frankly, it could have been four nothing. You know, just the yeah, way that Minnesota pressed. Five nothing, six nothing. Yeah. Like it yeah. was, we had never got out chance eleven to three in a period. Uh, and and again, I, I don't want to make any excuses. It's a hockey game. We need to be ready to go. That's on me. Um, but Minnesota also came out swinging, man. They wanted to throw out the knockout <laughs> punch early. And like I said, thank God Jackson uh, sit tall in the net to make it a game. Well, last time I checked their game previous, their start left a little bit to be desired. But, uh, um, you know, you have the second period, like you mentioned, good ebb and flow. Third period, you guys were all over them and just couldn't buy a bounce. Um, And I think one of the moments that stuck out for me, uh, and I'm hoping you can attest to this too, is you saw the look when the game was over, all the guys are going to see Jackson Caster, and then you see Spencer Meyer start looking around. And he starts, you know, looking at the logo at center ice and you know exactly what that means. Can you kind of talk about what he meant to this program and kind of the process, you know, going through that last game? Yeah, well, he's kind of the, you know, and, and there's going to be a next one coming. But obviously I've, I've one of the, hey, I inherited this team five years ago and, and, and it was a great group and and uh, they had done a good job of building this program. I, I used to tell people, probably told you guys, my biggest thing was just don't mess this thing up. I don't want to mess this thing up. And, you know, most coaches are taking over a program that's kind of headed the wrong way, right? So got very lucky to come in. But what I, what I inherited was unbelievable leadership. And, that, and I think back to kind of day one in the locker room of how good a leader Jimmy Schultz was here and how Spencer got to watch that and see that. Then Jack Ashan takes over as a leader, and Spencer gets to see that. And, and then we have Spencer for three years as a captain of this program, a local kid growing up, dreaming to play here. It meant the world for him to play here. Um, he gave his heart and soul to this, this program, to this school, uh, to everything. And uh, he never, ever uh, took a day off, never took a moment off of Karen and doing everything he could to lead. A lot of the fans didn't know Spencer wasn't 100% this year at all. We had to hold him out for a good stretch to try to heal an injury. It never really healed. Spencer was probably playing at about 80%. Um, but, man, did he leave it all out there. Uh, every game, huge part of our power play, huge part of the, the leadership in the room. Um, and a guy that just his heart and soul is this in this program and always will be. So we're obviously going to miss him big time. And then, Brett, another player that I know uh, brought you some emotions at the NCHC Frozen Faceoff was Jackson Caster, and more specifically, the change from one year over over the other, right? Uh, essentially being wrongfully labeled as sort of the scapegoat for the uh, regional loss against Quinnipiac. Uh, and then coming back and essentially you talk about being a motivation, proving a lot of people wrong. Oh, holy cow. As you mentioned, what a performance he had, especially down the stretch, uh, I, I guess for you talk about those emotions and seeing him respond the way that he did it and really carrying your team uh, to nearly knocking off the number one team in the country. Yeah. I can tell you a story that I, I have a note, uh, a binder book that I write notes in before and after every game. And, it's fun to go back and see my thoughts on how different games went and whatnot. And I showed it to our staff uh, on the way I was at the end of the season. And my number one note before the St. Thomas game was, was literally praying for Jacks. I mean, that's how I felt. Like I was like, you know what, this game, like this is really important because this could, it was one of the, 
I would say most pressure I've seen on a player um, in a long time. Uh, he had so much he wanted to prove, and had that game gone wrong, who knows? You know, who knows how that thing goes. But he got into that game. And he was challenged early. We gave up a few really good chances in that game, and he just looked so solid and so poised. I, 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 I was really proud of him, and to see where that then uh, culminated into the end of the year and how he played in the biggest games of the year. Um, you know, and, and to be honest. He had to stick with it. We started Bass a really good goalie. We started Bass the first couple of games against Duluth. Bass played great in game one against Duluth. Um, and he, he played just okay probably in the game two against Duluth. And we decided to give Jacks game three. I mean, his career is on the line in that game. And uh, and he came through and, and, he, and he went from there. And you know what? We couldn't, even though as good as Bass is, we couldn't give the net back to him. And uh, really proud of Jacks for his growth as a person over the, few years he's been here, the growth as a goalie, and to see him um, play as well as he did down the stretch. Again, there's certain things in coaching that, that really mean a lot to you, and that was one of them. Yeah, and having the luxury of two goaltenders who were going to give you a good effort night in and night out made the decision challenging, but a good problem to have, obviously. Um, you know, and you look at guys, obviously, that uh, are still going to be coming in here. You know, you look at Isaac Posh, for example, netminder from Sweden as well. Uh, and looking at the pipeline, especially guys coming from Fargo. And last time I checked, Brett, sounds like there's a guy in Fargo that you might know pretty well that's having a pretty good first season. What can you say about Nick Oliver's time? He's doing a great job, obviously. And we all knew he would. Uh, he's he, That guy's built to be a coach. It's in his DNA. His dad's a coach. And uh Nick just loves the game. He's unbelievable with the kids. Uh, he's just, he cares so much. He's so knowledgeable. I don't know if I've been around a guy that works harder than him to keep improving as a coach and learning. And his details phenomenal. And uh, he's he's the real deal, man. And I'll tell you what, it's it's nice to have a couple of recruits playing there. Um, I'll tell you what. Also, Nick and I were laughing about this the other day that that. Uh, um, Werner Mietnin's going to know all our systems and all our drills because he's doing them up there. So it'll be a, you know, a nice thing. And, and uh, Gruba when he comes in as well. And so um, obviously uh, really happy for Nick and, and not surprised at all to see how well he's doing. Right. Sorry, Nick. I just wanted to jump in quickly. Did you expect top of the league though? I mean, is that what we, I mean, you're always shooting for it, but yeah, I mean, why not? Okay. <laughs> why not? You know, hey, you got, you got Matt Cullen up there, uh, you know, as one of the owners, you got Nick in there. We got Husky blood in there. Of course we expect those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, this may be what, what you call the too early predictions type things, or maybe too early experiments. Is there a thought if Werner does indeed uh, come to, uh, to St. Cloud that yeah, there might be an experiment with both him and VD on the same line? You never know, right? Because we'll have some uh, shuffling to do at center to see how things kind of shake out and where they fall and, and whatnot. So there could be a chance you see a couple of Mietnins on a line here and there. Um, uh, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting you think about it too. One of them's a natural goal scorer and one of them's a natural playmaker. You think you can kind of piece together probably what they were doing on the pond. You know, one guy was feeding the other, it seems like. Your brother um, was saying, give me the puck. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it ended up that way, I think. So uh, I don't think we've talked about VD enough yet. On yeah, the I was just going to go there. Yeah. His, uh, his performance down the stretch, you know, he went through a really tough February too. I mean, we, we had guys really go, our top players were really, challenge going through some challenging times and uh vd was one of them uh he's another guy that i thought played his best hockey in the last 10 games um and really showed what he can do and, and what we expect out of him next year and uh was really proud of vd for for finishing the season the way he did so so brett let's let's take a 
I suppose, you know, what we call a Brett Larson almanac for uh, off-season plans right now. I know that this is still kind of a busy time for you, but is there any sort of plans to relax, uh, to get away, to to enjoy some time? I, I Or shall we say, is there time to relax? <laughs> you know, it's funny. A lot of people ask me, hey, what do you do in the summer? Do you go fishing and golfing? And they, I, people don't, don't know that, you know, our recruiting never really ends. Um, we have our NCAA coaches convention coming up uh, at the end of the month. So we'll be down in Naples, Florida for a week working. As I tell my wife, we're working down there the whole time. Uh, we're not going to Naples for fun. But uh, anyway, um, maybe just a little. But any, anyhow, uh, we've got that for a week. Then you come back and, you, you know, May is kind of a nice month. There's, there's a couple recruiting things. It's a little bit of downtime. You, you get some time around the office with the other coaches. We kind of put our plans together for the summer. You know, we're working on preparing our alumni golf tournament for uh, for our guys and for any of the alum that watch this or see this. It's going to be August 25th this year. We'll get the uh, we'll get that out to the guys. Uh, it's going to be here in St. Cloud at the territories, and and uh, we're going to do something a little different this year. We have a we have a pro camp every year where our, our pro pro players come back and train. Uh, we're moving our golf tournament back a little bit uh, later in August uh, to have that on the Friday of the pro camp. Our pro camp guys are. All your training, working out. Uh, they have a little scrimmage with our guys coming back. Uh, we're going to do that Friday morning, and then have the golf tournament Friday afternoon. So, really excited about that. I got the pro list right now. We had we had about a dozen guys last year come back, and a lot of them are having really good years. And uh, that'll be a fun week. But June for us is USHL camps. We're out to most of them. July, you're hitting Buffalo with the USA Hockey Select 15, 16, 17s. So your your June and July are taken up pretty much with recruiting hitting the road quite a bit. Uh, and, uh, and then August you're preparing for the team. They usually come back kind of mid August time. And, uh, and then you got the pro camp, the golf tournament. So uh, if you get a couple weeks, you get them in May usually. And uh, um, you enjoy that. You try to take a deep breath. Um, but you know what, in this, in this job, you're, you're always fighting to make sure this program stays where it is. And you, you, you don't, uh, you don't take your foot off the gas pedal very often. Yeah, you talk about August being that golf tournament, but you don't have much time before it. I mean, how are the irons looking? How are you driving off the tee? Like, do you, do you have a chance? What's it looking like? You know, I just saw this, and who knows if it's true or not. I'm, I'm kind of addicted right now to this Instagram reels, and I'm, I'm watching all this health <laughs> stuff now. I'm 50, right? So there's, like, all kinds of stuff. I'm into these cold uh, cold plunges and sauna and all this. I'm you know, finding nutrition stuff. But I, I stumbled across this one the other night that says – you know, your, your chance of getting in a, in a plane crash is like one in 11 million. Your chance of breaking 80 on the golf course is like one in 22 million. <laughs> Most people don't break 80 like ever. So yeah. that made me feel a lot better. Let's just put it <laughs> out. Well, suddenly I feel a little bit less excited. About about, <laughs> suddenly I feel a little bit less excited about uh, plane rides, apparently, though. Um, <laughs> but speaking of a plane ride you didn't have to make, and uh, I haven't cut my hair since yet, Brett. Um, I made a bold prediction on MNCAA that you weren't going anywhere beside of the fact that uh, the Wisconsin Badgers apparently have come calling. Um what does it mean for you to stay here and be a Husky um, and kind of see this thing through uh, and kind of go through that process? Because let's be frank, um, that's a job offer that, especially if you go back five, six years, uh, that's a hard thing to turn down. For sure. For sure. But to me, the biggest thing is I think we've just created a family here. When you're part of that, it's tough to, to walk away. Uh, 
and it's it's our culture it's who we are we we you know we don't have all the bells and whistles as, as some other schools we've got what we need for sure uh we've got what we need to compete um but for me what makes our group special is how close we are how much the guys care um and, and i feel like i got to be a part of that uh not to mention my family loves it here you know we moved a lot um my son and daughter are really ingrained here we're in a great community um we like our friends that we've made here there's so many positives for us uh being in the st cloud area uh that we, we we really enjoy it but most important to me is walking into that locker room every day and seeing those guys we've just got a great group of guys i i told the guys this year i mean i i love well uh, it's been all five years here. I love coming to the rink every day, and that's that's pretty special. So when your job, uh, uh, when you love going to your job every day, it's pretty hard to pass that up. Brett, was it a bit weird from your perspective on a personal not uh, personal side, you know, to have your name floated out there and you know in your head knowing that I was going to stay here, this is my family. Was it still weird to kind of go through those emotions and maybe having people ask you about it? Uh, it, it was a little bit, I guess, but I, I always try to look at the positive things. It was also an honor, you know, it was an honor just to be, even be mentioned. It was an honor, you know, um, to, to, to be discussed in, in a, in a circle of coaches like that. Uh, Mike Hastings is a great coach and he's going to do a great job there. And, you know, to have my name mentioned with a guy like that, who's been doing it a lot longer than me, uh, cause he's way older than I am. Um, uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you know, to be mentioned in those circles, uh, to me, it was more of an honor than anything. And uh, um, but the good thing is um, it was an honor. It felt good. But I knew where the right place was for me. And and, and that's in this place. And, you know, we've got we've got challenges that we want to keep. We, we still want to you know, we want to get back to that frozen four. I, you know, I tell people I don't want to leave this place till we get it done here, you know, and and uh, um every year to be knocking on that door has been really fun. Um, but it's, it's tough to get close. It's tough to get close because it takes you a while to look back and think of all the good things the the pain of not getting there is, is probably your biggest motivator. So for me, I just feel like we've, we want to keep moving in the right direction. We want to keep getting better. Um, it's so hard to win that thing, but we, we really believe that we can do it here. You talked a little bit about the transfer portal to COVID eligibility rules as well. And, you know, bringing some guys in on that piece, which historically, um, you know, you guys and your staff have been very selective about the guys that you bring in and really making sure the fit is there. You think about, uh, you know, guys like Jared Cockrell, you think about guys like Dylan Anhorn that kind of filled that very specific mold. Um where do you kind of see that process going through again as we go through the years? And also when you look around the conference, the situation right now that North Dakota has where they can pluck almost anybody from the portal, but it is kind of burning them in a sense too. How do you guys approach that challenge and make sure that it's a balanced approach? Well, you don't want your players to feel passed over. You know, you got, like I mentioned some guys that I can't wait to see. You just want to, you want to fill the right hole with the right person that's going to fit into your culture. We've been pretty selective at going two, maybe three at the most, um, you know, and, and then it also depends where your recruits are as far as ready or not to come in. Right. And we always err on the side of let's have our recruits play an extra year junior if possible. It's just my philosophy. I, uh, I, I like to have those guys as experienced as, as, as they can be before they come in. So it's a little bit of a luxury that way, but you want to make sure you're just filling a couple of the right holes with the right kids. You don't want to start passing guys over that have been here working and who deserve an opportunity. 
Um, but at the same time, when you have a need, you got to go out and get it. You know, um, we wanted to find a, a really, uh, you know, and this isn't the only part of his game. The kid can move the puck and, and create some secondary offense too. But we, we did find a D that, that we really, really like from the defensive side, penalty kill, long stick, those type of things that uh, are really important to us. So you're, you're always looking to fill a couple of those, those holes. But, you know, in our, our opinion for our program, we just don't want to overdo it. Yeah, and that defensive position has the tendency right now to to get a little bit younger too. So obviously having uh, some older blood certainly helps. But my quick follow-up question to you, Brett, is uh, second year in a row that you see it, how quick was the the lunch date and the phone call with Grant Crookshank last year? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was the best day. I'll tell you what. We uh, I think I was in the car 12 seconds after we went in the portal. And uh, thank God because – Boy, that kid, the only thing I got to say about Grant is I wish I could have coached him for, for five years. I mean, he was just such an impact on this program. We knew he would be. Did he surpass our expectations offensively? For sure, which was great for him. Uh, but he lived up to every expectation as far as his character and his work ethic and what he would bring to this team and this group. Um, boy, we, we obviously we wouldn't have been one goal away from a frozen four with eight minutes left in that game without him. Uh, he just made such an impact here. It's really sad to see him go, um, but uh, yeah, I, I wish that kid nothing but the best. He was he was a, a great pickup for us. I know his teammates loved him here, and uh, we were very fortunate to have him. Brett, I want to follow up a little bit with the transfer portal conversations because, you know, on the coaching side, right, you're going after a specific need, a specific player. Um, is generally when you reach out to folks, uh, is there a mutual interest or how does those usually conversations go uh, in terms of, you know, trying to like, a, identify those players and two, trying to say, hey, we got a spot for you. How does that usually sound like? Well, there's, you're always in recruiting, you're always looking for connections. So whether it's maybe they got a friend that's played here in the past or play here now, maybe they've played with one of our guys in junior somewhere or whatnot, or, you know, you're always looking for some type of connection sometimes because that can help a lot in recruiting. Uh, our best players or our best recruiters have to be our players. Um, so usually you'll have a player that you're recruiting reach out to a Grant Crookshank, right? Um, uh, with the rules, Grant can't call them, but they can call Grant and, uh, uh, well, you know, and when you have you know, the experience that Gerald Cockrell's had here, where he just loved it, where all these transfers have come in and this culture's brought them in very easily and they felt part of the group immediately and they've, they've grown as players and people and love this culture. The good thing for us is we've got a great track record, right? So we can point to that and they can talk to those guys. And to me, that's, that's usually the best recruiting uh, is to be able to talk to the guys that have gone through it and loved it. The big challenge, too, of course, is, you know, obviously assembling the freshmen into that mix, like you mentioned. But the other challenge that often gets overlooked, and that's guys that are considering coming back for a fifth year COVID or otherwise and knowing, you know, where scholarship money might be, where opportunities for their program might be, where opportunities in the lineup might be. How difficult is that conversation sometimes on the other side? That's the if there's a negative of the the portal and the extra year of COVID for sure. I'd say more of the extra year of COVID. You know, uh, every school's got to call a couple of recruits that planned on coming in, and you got to ask them to play another year of junior. And ready or not, uh, you don't have a choice. And uh, that's tough. There there are tough calls that have to be made. And the good thing in a way is it's nobody's fault. It's 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 part of the deal right now with the extra year of COVID. Uh, but those are some really tough situations for kids. And sometimes in the case where 
the kid is a 20 year old and there's not an extra year junior unfortunately that means they may have to try to go to another program and that that's an unfortunate domino effect of uh this whole thing that's happened and uh it's really tough it's tough on us it's tough on the player and their family um and it, it's a really unfortunate byproduct of this covid thing and the transfer portal coming together at the same time Brett, I want to expand on this a little bit because there is what, at least to the fans' perspective, there's an influx of talent that's coming into college hockey. We've got Augustana that's coming on board. Uh, you have some rumors of teams out in the West Coast coming in. What is the state of college hockey, in your opinion? Is it growing? Um, how close are we to maybe getting a conference out West? Um, what's the overall impression of the game? Well, the overall impression is obviously growth. You look at Lindenwood coming along in Long Island and now Augustana is coming and, and uh, the, the success they're having down at St. Thomas as well. Um, I, I see growth and you're right. I know College Hockey Inc. is in discussions with um, schools. There's, there's a group that, that's out talking to schools about expansion and growth and you hear it a lot out west. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, hey, if we can start booking uh, some uh, – some non-conference flights out to California. We'll take it in the middle of February or sorry, in, in November and January. So first, you, first you got to shoot under an eighty, though, Brad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, one in a trillion chance or whatever. You know, it's not like everybody does it. So um, anyway, uh, you know, for us, it, it feels like it's growing. I mean, I just think about it like when I first started recruiting, I wasn't going to. You know, I, I just went out to San Jose for the, the Nationals, uh, the Midget Nationals, right? And you're you're watching kids from, you know, Phoenix, and you're watching kids from Dallas and, and L.A. and all these places that are potential Division One hockey players. Well, you know, 15 years ago, that wasn't the case. And uh, so there's a growth in the pool. There's a growth in, in the sport, which has been awesome. And uh, I think that's going to keep pushing college hockey to grow. So I, I think there's a lot of exciting times ahead with the growth, growth of college hockey. Obviously, you look at Augustana with, you know, i got to mention it, a, a Husky alum, Garrett Raboyne, going to run the show there, and mm-hmm. he's going to do a great job, and that, that's going to be a – it's going to become a top program in college hockey eventually. And, and those type of things are exciting. More opportunities for coaches, more opportunities for players. Uh, I think that's a really good thing. And then to follow up on this, Brett, because uh, – I think a lot of college hockey fans were watching Alaska uh, sit and then essentially by no reason of themselves kind of got out of the mix uh, in terms of the top 16. How close are we to college hockey expansion from 16 to more teams? I don't know. That's been it's discussed. I'll be interesting to see the discussion down in Florida on that one. I don't have a lot for you on it. Yeah, Uh, I think there are some discussions about that. Um, I don't have an opinion on it yet, to be honest. I'd like to hear both sides on it, but uh, uh, I think it will be a discussion at some point. My final question here for you, Brett, and again, thanks so much for joining us this yes. morning. Um, of course, you've got the Bob Motzko blurry uh, computer uh, camera. <laughs> I but you, I think this camera's been here. Since maybe Craig Dahl, actually. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, I had problems with my other computer, and I had to jump on this one, so sorry about that, but... I know this camera was sitting here when I when I took the job, so um, uh, it's it's been a while. So thanks for putting up with my blurry camera. <laughs> well, hopefully next season, of course, is in focus, and hopefully you have the longevity here, like Craig Dahl had, uh, you know, and Bob Motzko for that matter. Um, one of them, of course, doing very well uh, at the other school that he ended up. But uh, um, as you look ahead to next season, specifically the NCHC. Um, had a bit of a rocky road, ended up finishing fourth, probably had an opportunity to finish higher this season. 
what do you anticipate next year to kind of get to that pinnacle of the regular season standings as well? And kind of how do you view the other conference with Western Michigan losing so many bodies, North Dakota doing whatever the heck it's doing, um, and then you guys, of course, trying to kind of reload on the fly? Yeah, well, obviously, we just want to keep moving up, right? We had we had more wins this year in the NCHC than we did the previous year with the team that was rated number one in the country to start. We uh, finished two points out of second place. That was that was the hard part of that stretch with all those ties. You know, you're, you're really kicking yourself a little bit. Now, with saying that, um, you know, it, it's funny how things work, right? Uh, you finish second, you finish third. Who knows? You get through that first round or not. There were a couple of real motivated teams that went into buildings and won on the road, yeah. right? So um, not that Duluth was motivated. They definitely were, but uh, and we had a great series with them. You know, I, I'm not so concerned sometimes about whether the, where, you, where you finish as long as you finish. My biggest goal every year is I want to finish in the top half of that league. That's our goal right from the start. If you finish in the top half of the NCHC, you've had a great season, no doubt. And uh, uh, as long as we can keep pushing to finish in that top of that league, usually as long as you've done well in non-conference, that puts you in the tournament. Um, that's kind of our goal. Um, obviously, uh, winning, winning the league title would be great. But for us, we think that tough one, I mean, they're all tough, but – for us to win at the end of the year is what what matters the most, right? So to get that NCHC championship, to have a chance to win at the very end of the year, that's what you're always shooting shooting towards. So for us, we want to keep staying in that top four. We want to keep battling. You know, you just got to get in that darn tournament, right? You get that darn tournament, you got to go on a four-game streak, and nothing else matters. And uh, the tough times that you've gone through, everything else that's happened during the year, it doesn't matter. We just got to keep getting in that tournament. We got to find a way to go on that four-game win streak at the right, right time of the year. And usually, if you finish on the top half of this league and do well in non-conference, you're going to put yourself in position to get there. So, our goal is to keep getting a kick at that can, get back to that tournament, and try to go on that four-game run. My sources say Nick Maxson doesn't have any other questions, so I'll steal one from him in typical <laughs> Noah Grant fashion. Um, we talk about the tournament, goal disparity, negative uh, 48, 52 to 5 or whatever it was uh, throughout the first eight games of the regional tournament. A lot of people say the Fargo regional was the toughest draw. Um, we always kind of say you got to win four games regardless of who it is. Um, what did you think of the matchup uh, in Fargo and the challenge of what we call bracket integrity? Or do you guys just say it doesn't really matter? We keep our head down and you got to You got to beat them at some point. Yeah, for sure. You got to you got to beat the best at some point. Now, mm-hmm. uh, arguably, we felt we had to beat one of the best teams in the country in game two, which, you know what? And everybody's good at that time of the year. Um, I would say this. You know what? For, if you ask the student athletes how the experience was in Fargo with three Minnesota teams there. I don't think they would have changed it. I don't. That place was packed. It was rocking. Uh, it, it felt like what playoff hockey should feel like. You know, um, you're not playing in, a, in an empty building or with only a couple thousand people in there. You were playing. And, and as a player, that's what you want. You want to play a big game in front of a big crowd. Um, and bracket integrity, I think you need to stick to it as much as you possibly can. Um but boy, that experience to get up there and fight it out with, with the best in front of that type of crowd, it's hard to argue that that was a bad experience. Yeah, certainly was an exciting time. 53-26, the official record, a new record attendance actually in that building. Unfortunately, I got stuck next to a lot of Gopher fans, so my experience was mixed to say the least, but great hockey nonetheless. Uh, hopefully, Brett uh, can take care of those Gophers next season. Obviously, has a pretty good track record, of course, and uh, a pretty good coaching record if you guys have looked at our graphic as well. But Brett, uh, 
any closing thoughts and uh, anything uh, anything that you'd like to say to Huskies fans? Because usually you have an announcement for us. We've waited a year and a half to talk to you, so there's usually something that you like yeah, to throw out there. All I would say is this. I, I, uh, um, you mentioned earlier about the fans getting on us a little bit. Um, I like that because to me that, that means they believed in us, right? We got that thing to number one. They wanted to keep that thing going. And uh, I did notice that uh, a lot of people, uh, when we did get it going, um, I don't think they lost the belief in us either. They just they felt the frustration we were feeling. Uh, I love the Husky fans. We I think we have the best fans in the country. This the herd when this place, well, you guys have seen it, right? I don't know that there's a better environment in college hockey than the herd, and that's what our fans bring. So uh, I think I think our fans, for the most part, uh, really stuck with us with the ups and downs. That means a lot to us. Um, we appreciate them. We appreciate what they do at the herd. Uh, the, the, the energy that they bring couldn't be better. And I'll tell you what, this team's going to come out and play just as hard next year. Uh, I think there's one thing that the fans see, there's very rarely a night where this team takes a night off. Um, and uh, what I can promise you, this team will bring it. There will be some new faces. And, uh, and I'm excited to get the fans back in the herb and get this thing going again. Yeah, it should be exciting. And hopefully some upgrades coming in the near future, it sounds like, as well in this building as yeah. well. So There are going to be some really... They might not be the most exciting upgrades, but there are upgrades that are going to make this building really well, really good as far as the ice, uh, the boards, the glass, all the infrastructure of the building. It's, it's going to be great. And we're also going to try to do some more things up in the, the North Concourse. We're going to, you know, we've got some great pictures from the, the Frozen Four or Frozen Faceoff, sorry. Uh, we've got some uh, really good pictures of some of our guys playing in the NHL right now. We're going to try to do some things uh, up on the concourse to, uh, to keep. Uh, I guess, keep that vibrant, lively, and, and, and pay good history to the program. So uh, hopefully we can get through some of that this summer. Uh, I think the, it's going to be exciting for the fans to come back and see it. And uh, it's funny, it's only still April, but now after talking to you guys, I'm already excited about uh, uh, early October. So thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Upgrades in the building, but uh, top-tier play on the ice, of course. Brett Larson, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys.